she just brings it. And then that, and it's just like such a moment. And I think that we're talking about having a War Room movie night in August or something like that soon. So be watching for that. You won't want to miss it, for sure. We've had a fun night already, yeah? And we haven't even had cake yet. Cake is after church. I mean, it's just, it's just getting better and better. And I mean, that is such an exclamation point. It's good cake. It's good fellowship in the fellowship hall after service. And there's a photo booth there for families, whatever. You know, and just have fun in there. It's just going to be a great time together. We're in the middle of a series, sermon series this summer called Underneath is our summer ser sermon series. Say that. <laughs> Thank you for your compassion there. The passage of scripture that we've chosen for this series is incredible. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms. And literally every week after I say this, I feel like I could just sit down and we could just all respond right there. I don't know what else there is. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're going through. That's the stuff. Doesn't matter who you are, like, right? That's the stuff right there. Like, he's been there all along. It's been him. Yeah. I went through all of this, but I'm still afloat. It was him. Right. It, 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 that's the stuff. Yeah. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And that has manifested so many different ways since the beginning of time. His everlasting arms have, have provided, have held us up, sent Jesus, saved, risen, ascended, coming back. Come on. Yes. That is the stuff. Every week we've had a sub-theme, and uh, we've had identity, we've had trials, we've had different sub-themes, and tonight, just one little word, training. And I'm not going to do that whole trying versus training Again, and I'm not really going into that content, although that was a really good sermon series and we learned a lot together through that sermon series. Tonight, specifically, just talking about the word training, and we'll break that down here in a second. But how about the definition of the word training? The action of teaching a person, and it also says poor animal, but I didn't feel like that was prudent. <laughs> there are days. <laughs> But tonight, I felt like we would just stick with people, okay? The action of teaching a person a particular skill or type of behavior. We understand training when we learned how to ride a bicycle, right? We uh, have training wheels. And I did. I don't know about you, but I had a purple tricycle. That's right, I did. And then someone ran over it with a car. And so I got another purple tricycle. <laughs> And, um, and then I went to training wheels, and then from there I learned to ride a bike. And we did that with our boys. We, we did the whole steps. And now they're doing the bicycles that sit real low. And kids are learning to just catch their balance. I forget what they're called. Somebody help me, Alicia, what's it called? Balance bike. Huh? Marsha, I mean, come on, it's not hard. Balance bike, because they're learning how to keep their balance, right? And they're learning that balance on their own, maybe without the training wheels or not. But either way, they are learned their training. Whether it's two wheels on the side or it's their feet, there's a whole training 
wheel thing happening on the bicycle as they learn. There's also a lot of different examples of training or if you will, um, if you've been through orientation, I have a picture of a bunch of different ways that we have trained over the years. You see the teacher there teaching us what we might need to know maybe in an orientation at the hospital or maybe an orientation in a new business or something if you will. Maybe if you've been, a, if you've served in the restaurant business, you know that you go through a period of training you go through, if you want to lift weights, you've been, you've trained. A bodybuilder, they train. If you've ran a marathon, there's a lot of training that goes into it. A triathlon, and there's our animal. A lot of training there, great training, right? And he looks like he's had enough, honestly. Um, but that's that. So we all understand training for what it is. And so why not understand it? in the element of faith as we raise our children. Let's look at Proverbs 22, 6 together. Train children in train, train children in the way they should go. When they grow old, they won't depart from it. This kind of mirrors the old school version of that passage. Let's look at the NLT. It says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Let's look at the Good News translation. Teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their life. Or how about the Message translation? Point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. That's good news. A thought from tonight. Um, this is not just directed to the parents tonight, this message. It will be intertwined for everyone, but with the dedication, I felt like it was good to focus somewhat on the home. And we all have one, I pray. Whether intentional or not, the undertone of faith or lack thereof in you, your home, your relationships, and life is training and directing your children right now. Let's read that again. Whether intentional or not, the undertone of faith or lack thereof in you, your home, your relationships, and life is training and directing your children right now. Fruit happens. No matter what. It's happening. Whether you are being intentional in the things that you are training and directing your children toward or whether you are not. They are in training, if you will. They are watching, and they are potentially facing some of the same directions that you are. This does not mean that if you have lived every day up until this moment unintentional and lacking faith, that you're doomed. Here's the deal. You can change the tide today. You're like, but I've already raised my kids. doesn't matter. Listen, it is a beautiful thing for your children to see that God can change your life today. It would be a beautiful thing for them to see that the Lord can start new in you today. And they will not forget it. They will not forget what God has done today in this season in you because they knew you and now they know you and they will not forget and they will remember when they're in a season where they need change 
Dans ma boule d'azote. And besides, it's really good for kids to hear parents admit that they may have made a mistake or are sorry. Am I right? When we've had an experience with our moments of humility, or maybe we haven't, we know how much that would have mattered. And so you may have not lived intentional, you may have not lived um, in, a, in a lane of faith, and so this message might, you might feel discouraged, but I don't want you to be discouraged tonight. I want you to know that it can start now. It starts here and now. And the Lord can do it, and you can start fresh, and you can say, listen, this is how it was, but this is how it's going to be. And your children will respect you in that decision. Proverbs 22, 6 that we talked about, training your children up is in many ways a warning, if you will, a reminder, a hope nugget, right? Some of this wording in Proverbs 22, 6 is like, if this, then, right? I, I take that as a hope nugget. I'll receive that as a really good chicken nugget, as we know our sweet uh, foster granddaughter believes that they're at McDonald's, okay? And so we will take this as a really good McDonald's chicken nugget of hope. That this passage says, if this, then, then, and we'll receive this as a warning. We'll receive this as a reminder. And we will receive this as a really good chicken nugget of hope. All in one. It does not imply that our children, raised in the faith, won't fear or take a detour or make devastating decisions. This is not telling you that that won't happen. That's not what this is saying completely. I'll get to that in a second, but it might be saying to us. I would say that I'm an example of someone that was raised in a, in a good faith home. And I veered, I detoured, and I made devastating decisions. I did all three. So this is not implying that your children won't make their own decisions that might take them in a direction you never hoped they would go. But it means they will know. They have to choose it for themselves, and we pray that they do, but they will never totally forget what they know. And we pray so. We know that um, patients that have been diagnosed with what we call like a brain disease or brain trauma that were trained in ballet at a young age will start to move in rhythm with the music they once danced to. They know. Elderly patients that can't remember their own children's names. When that song from the good old days comes on, right? And it's always the hands and the feet that's so cute. I wonder what it'll look like when our song comes on when we're older than anyway. A little different, maybe. You see, we don't ever truly forget what we learned and accepted at a young age. The things we train in or direct our attention to take root in us. So be encouraged tonight. The good you are doing is taking root. And it might be hard. And you might feel like you're exhausted and you're doing all the things and you're taking the kids with you and you're showing up five minutes late and you're like, was it worth it? Yes. 
Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Don't get weary in well-doing. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This sounds a lot like train them up. They won't forget. Be encouraged tonight. I have a few stats that I wanted to bring, and some of these are going to be a little startling, but I wanted to share them with you for, for good reason. So here's a few stats regarding church, faith, and parenting, okay? And this is for all of us because much of this is also just like the faith culture, okay? In a Gallup poll from 2021, 47% of all Americans belong to some form of religious congregation. These numbers are down from 70% in 1991. This is crazy. Prior to the 21st century, these statistics in this area hardly moved. The first year that these statistics were recorded by Gallup was 1937, and in that year the percentage was 73%. So in 21 years, this statistic has dropped 23 percentage points while hardly moving for the previous 62 years. Do you see that? So for 62 years, that what you call maybe a faith culture hardly moved, but in the last 23 years, we see a major change. And in 2023, 41% of Americans said they attend church either weekly most of the time, or once a month. This is considered regularly. So already, from 2021 to 2023, we've gone down six percentage points. In a 2017 study, only 11%, here's another stat, only 11% of young people leave the church if they claimed a strong faith as a child or grew up in homes that taught a genuine walk with Christ. That's a good number. Is that encouraging to you tonight? I don't want 11%. We'll talk about this church and how we're blowing things out of the water left and right, but I don't even want that. Over 75%, however, leave if they never really believed and didn't feel a strong push in their families to believe. To me, this is a staggering difference. And I see two factors. Their personal walk with Christ and a home environment of faith. Let's break these numbers down by what I would call generational contexts. No, no shame. This is a no judgment zone here, so this is not shame, okay? This is, this is just the numbers, and you're going to get some encouragement in a second. Hang in there, okay? But just, we love the conversation about generations of women's group, don't we? Yeah. We love it, we love it, we love it. It's so important. It's so important that we recognize the differences. It's so key. So just stick with me here, right? And you know I love all of you. Every age, every stage, all of you. Just 49% of millennials describe themselves as Christian today, while more than 80% of the silent generation and 76% of baby boomers do so. Right? Exactly. She's a budding preacher. Here she comes. Right down the aisle. Sister is ready. She's like, she, Alpha Jen, Alpha Jen is ready is what I'm saying, all right? This is called the Alpha Generation, this, this precious little one right now. And we won't even start on their numbers yet because they're too young to know, all right? But give them 10 years, we'll have it all, okay? But she's ready. Let her lead the way! All right. Um, only 22% of millennials.
once per week. And almost two-thirds say they attend church services a few times. Some models estimate that America's Christian population could fall to as low as 35% by the year 2070 if these trends continue. And why? Because the generations having and raising the children of right now have moved away from Christianity or are moving away from the church. And I believe there are many reasons for that. We've talked about them a lot right here. We've talked about Gen X. Let me see you. All of Are you Gen X? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. I know you guys have a song playing in your head right now from like REO Speedbike, okay? So let me see you Gen Xers in here, right? Okay, so we talked about this, that we are a missing generation in the church. We saw a lot of toxic behavior in the church, and so we peaced out. The millennials, are, in many ways, are our children. It has made an impact on us and them. We've talked about many reasons why Gen X and Down is gone, and we know that the enemy is behind all of it. Amen? Yes. So here's some more stats. According to Lifeway Research Group, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, tends to be the third highest church service attendance after Easter and Christmas. So Easter and Christmas are the highest attended church services. Not that everything's about church, but you're with me. You get it, right? And then Mother's Day. Oh, man, this kills me because I've seen our men do it different, all right? But Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest average church attendance. We're going there in a second. Allie's ready to preach. Statistically lower than Labor Day Memorial Day and even the 4th of July. Man, I got you. Just hang in here, okay? But I'm going to keep reading. Because these stats are important. We have to understand the culture that we're living in, the world that we're living in, the children that are being raised around us. Are you with me? America's decline in faith. This, this is Jack Brewer from an article called Stats on Faith and Fatherhood. America's decline in faith has largely mirrored a decline in fatherhood. In 1960, only about 9% of American children grew up without a father in the home. Read that stat, only 9% in 1960. Today, that number is around 25%. For a total of 18.4 million children absent a father in the home. This is over three times the world average and the highest rate of children living in single parent households of any country in the entire world. Simultaneously, in another article, it highlights the mother's role in faith building in the home. And it talks about moms being that religious backbone, not just in the home, but in the church. And it has been that way for quite some time. You can read more on that from The Atlantic by Emma Green. But here's what I see when I read all those stats. You ready? Moms, you matter. Dads, you matter. Women, you matter. Men, you matter. Your presence matters, your faith matters, you matter. What you do matters, where you go matters, how you spend your time matters, what you take in matters, what you speak out matters, what you choose today matters. Today is the day of salvation. Men, women, moms and dad, you and your faith matters.
faith matter. And I know some of you are like, but I did all of that. But listen, it is a new day and it is time to start a new way today. The Lord is clear. He's not holding your sins over your head, so stop doing it to yourself. You, your faith matters. And not just to you, but to your family. And I will say an amen to Allie's thoughts. This church is blowing some of these statistics out of the water. I cannot say that word. Statistics. I don't care. You know me. I don't care. Don't get caught up in things I can't do. I can't do a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is what the Lord is giving us tonight, right? Stats. This church is blowing some of these stats out of the water. Because I look around, and I see a whole bunch of millennials right up in here. I see dads here. I see moms. I see the percentage of children to adults in this church is high. This church has a future, obviously, but they have a future. And what's happening here is rare and beautiful. And it matters. We are growing in the age group of millennials and Gen Z, and I love it. I love it. You don't know this yet because we haven't advertised it. But the young adults have started meeting up here by the cross on Saturday nights before service around 525 to pray for the service, to pray for you. And tonight the circle was enormous and it's like double was last week. And, and uh, what's happening here is rare. What's happening here is beautiful. And what's happening here matters. Let us be ones to fan into flame the faith of these people, of each other, every generation, towards one another. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. This, this is incredible stuff here. And I see so many of you doing this, but I want to go ahead and read the instructions given to us here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's a lot. That's all. That's all. That's all of it. And then, you know, wording like that feels really like churchy, but I want to say to you, when you recognize that you can actually do that, when you come to a place with God, with the Lord, where you recognize all that he's done for you and you want to literally give him your all, you will understand, you will understand that this wording isn't so far-fetched. Let the Lord take you there with him. Let him take you there. Okay? And sometimes your all is, I can breathe his name, and sometimes your all is a lot more, right? You get that. But we are called and instructed here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He's saying, just, just give it all to me. Trust me with it. And then he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now I'm getting emotional because I am so thankful 
for the days and the years raising the boys that we got. We didn't always do it perfect and we didn't always get this right, but the days that we would have lots of conversation along the way. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Since the first days, church, we've been encouraged to have faith and hand it down. To eat, sleep, talk, decorate, live, breathe, know, believe, and hand down the goodness of God. His love, His grace, His truth, His holiness, His nearness, His joy, His power, His hope. This passage, I love it, these verses. It's saying, do this and do it like this. Eat, sleep, breathe, talk, dream about life with the Lord. His love for you and your love for Him. In so doing, you are letting your children, you are training your children, you are directing your children towards the Lord. Matthew 19, 14 says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Parents of children and youth, we see you. These parents here tonight, we see you. We love you. We want you to know that we are praying for you. We know that it is not easy and you are on the front lines of faith training. Church, you've heard these stats tonight, and we have got to be praying for these families. If you will pray for these families, let's just pray. If you'll pray for these families, raise your hand. Church, we've got to pray for these. We've got to pray for our family. I hope that you saw that. Young families, I hope that you saw the churches with you, for you, praying for you as you were on the front lines of faith training for your children. We've got to be praying. Some of you here tonight have already raised your children and are needing a second chance if you recognize that. You aren't sure it would matter because your kids are grown and you feel time has passed, but it is never too late, as I said before. What a gift it would be to hear my mom or my dad. Not that I knew that because I'm thankful to have that faith heritage. But in a situation where I didn't, to hear my parents say, I'm sorry. And the humility from a parent to say, I wish I had done some things differently. The beautiful redemption in those moments. So you may be looking at this sermon tonight and saying that's for everybody else. No, 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 no. It's for all of us. It is a remarkable thing to witness true life change. And maybe your children need to see that. It's time. Some of you here tonight, as you hear these stats and this message and these this passages of scripture, you realize that you can play a part in training up in the faith um, in a different way because you don't have your children yet or maybe you're not going to but um, here in the nursery or in the children's ministry or in your 
neighborhood or a classroom or a family connection or on social media or some other way that you can influence those being raised, that alpha gen, some of those gen Zers, right now, you can have an influence. Ask God for a way to be a faith trainer for the next generation. Ask him. He will show you. But one thing I know, everybody in the room needs to be on a faith journey. Like I said, I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you're going. And you may have just a few breaths left in me, but I want you to know, you need to be on a faith journey. That is where your only hope truly lies. When your money runs out, then what? When your title runs out, then what? When your status runs out, then what? When you're not as cool anymore, then what? When the highs of life are over, what? When your breath is gone, then what? We all need to be on a big journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. I pray that as a result of this conversation tonight that we've had together, that you will consider what next step you can take in your faith. To deepen your relationship with the Lord. And if you do not have one, then maybe you'll take that step tonight to be on a faith journey. It matters. Your faith journey matters. We have got to consider the end game as we move forward. No good business woman or man, and really no person that has a plan of anything, isn't considering the end game as they move forward. You put in your GPS where you want to go. From two, it's a real thing. We have got to consider the end game as we move forward in life. The world will sell you an instant high and an immediate reward. And then what? Yeah. Choose a life of faith first, church. The Lord God will lead you to all he has for you. I have said for many years, if you will let him lord your life, he will lead you to the purposes that he has for you. Don't try to figure them out and then call him to that. Call on him. He will lead you to his purposes for your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to know that me and God are good. I want to know that me and God are good. I want my children to see me caring about that relationship. I left these in my notes in here for you. You're welcome to take pictures or whatever because... I don't know if this is where you stand, but this is where I stand. I want my children to see me caring about their relationship with God. I want to show them how to cultivate an eternal perspective in a love-filled home. I want my grandchildren to know that my deepest joy was in Jesus. I want to pass down a heritage of hope. I want to lead a church full of Jesus people and authentic worshipers. This doesn't say performers. Does it? This doesn't say, I don't want to lead a church full of people with the right answers. That was like 1984 or something, right? I want to lead a church full of Jesus people and authentic worshipers. I want to live a life of salt and light, leaving flavor and sight everywhere I go. I want to hold tight to my faith when the seas of life roar, because they do. I want to be singing when the evening comes. I want every part of my being to 
after spending time in prayer, and I want to cheer on others as they run their race, and I want to see you, your children, and your children's children in heaven. I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but it's probably time to write down some things that you really want as it pertains to faith, as it pertains to you and God. And not just for you, but for those that are coming behind you, for the place that you work, for the people that you engage in with, and, and your children, and your children's children, and the places you need, and the places that you live. And start writing down the, the things that you want with you and God and your faith relationship and your faith life. And start seeing them come to pass. And you will have to hold tight to it all the way through in order to finish with that perseverance. But Hebrews reminds us, 10.23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Parents, men, women, we understand that the faith life is not easy. We understand that you've got to hang on tight. And if you can, with joy. Because it's going to get really good in the end. It's called heaven. And I want to go there. And I want to see you and your children and their children there too. The eternal God is our refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. The worship team will come forward. Tonight's message for parents and moms and dads and, and all of us really. And so responses too, responses for everyone tonight. And here at Church of God Sarasota, we have a couple of options. You can come and light a candle. The candles already lit symbolize the light of the world, Jesus. If you have a need of, that is uh, needing some light or some dark situation, if you have a, a dark circumstance, there's some, something in your life you know that Jesus needs to intervene in order for it to go well, come, light a candle. As a symbol of inviting Jesus, the light of the world, into your situation, into your life, into those dark places. Maybe tonight you want to come and kneel. Maybe you are starting off your life um, as a young parent and you want to dedicate your marriage and the future to the Lord. And you want to come down here as a couple. Come, kneel. Maybe you're single and you know that you don't want to repeat the things that you saw and were trained in. Come, kneel. Maybe you want to start over. Come, kneel. Spend time with the Lord. No one will bother you. Just you and the Father. But if you would like to pray with the pastor, you can come get Eric or Laura, and we would love to pray with you. Also, there's prayer cards. Not far. White cards in the chairs. You can drop those in the baskets. Right in the prayer request. But here at Church God Sarasota, we also worship in our seats and along with the worship team. And we're just in the space organically with the Lord as he unfolds the words of this message into your heart tonight. I don't know what part of it resonates with you. I don't know what your needs are. But I believe that the Lord is speaking to each one of us differently. And I love that about him. He knows us each so personally and so deeply. And he draws us to himself in a way that only he can do. Let me pray before we respond. Lord, we thank you for all the generations in this room. 
We thank you for the babies and for the mamas and the daddies and the young adults and the grandparents and the great-grandparents and everything in between. Lord, we thank you that you see each one of us and what we need. We thank you that you're speaking to us tonight through one passage of scripture or one example or one inspirational thought. And God, I pray tonight that as we go about response and then our party later and through the rest of this week, that you would, uh, these seeds have been planted tonight, that you'd water them, Lord. And that they would grow. And maybe tonight, Lord, someone would begin a faith relationship with you because it matters. Or maybe after tonight, Lord, they would deepen their faith relationship with you because it matters. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, for all that you are, and the way that you help us in every season of life, every age, and every stage. Thank you, Lord, that your arms hold us underneath forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we begin this song, I'm going to speak this over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Respond as you feel like. 